0: I love how the Lord just moves in our midst, but even more importantly, in each believer's life. I love that. I, I'm, I get obsessed with watching what the Holy Spirit does in others' lives. I do. I don't know if anybody else does, but I do. I mean, when I see the Holy Spirit moving in people, I mean, in signs and wonders, as well as in personal convictions and a drawing near to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's heavenly stuff. Uh, that's what, that's what keeps my motor running for the Lord. Uh, it has been that way and it's not something that occurred somewhere, although there have been a lot of those somewheres in my life, uh, and I love those somewheres and sometimes, uh, but really it started in, April fifth, nineteen eighty one, and I have always, always, always wanted to glorify the Lord. And at certain times and places, it has been, uh, it you know, people get hit by the the power of the Holy Spirit. And I say hit because if you've ever had that happen to you, you know that you know there is a there is a bit of a myth or a fallacy when people say that um, the Holy Spirit wouldn't do that because he's a gentleman. <laughs> That's not the New Testament I read. I'm not saying that he's always rough with us. And that's probably where that wonderful, gracious, compassionate nudging of the Holy Spirit that takes place in us. I'm glad he, you know, there are certain times when he wants to come in and come in like a flood. And we pray for that. But if you've never had that, be careful when it does. Because it'll wreck your life. And I love my life being wrecked. I love my life being wrecked for normal Christianity. In this day and age, we need that more than anything. And not for people to just go through the motions. You know, I did this every Sunday. I do this every Sunday. That is a, that is not a motion. That's a discipline. And in those disciplines, you'll meet God. We pastor to church. And this is just kind of an intro. It's something that I felt the Lord wanted to, to share a couple of, of testimonies. This happened a long time ago. And I'm going back 25 years. And we had a... This was when we lived down in the city, ministered in the city, loved ministering in the city. It's a different kind of ministry and we had a food ministry, and we had people coming in to the tune of about 50 to 75 people coming in on a particular night to to receive food items. Uh, it, we didn't call it a food pantry because it was ten times that. And it, it was a food ministry because people were coming in and sitting down, and, and they would tell me. You know, I had various people at different stations Um, along the way for that evening because it was going to be a night where people could come in and meet Jesus. Uh, People could come in and have an encounter, not pray a sinner's prayer. More than that. And we had those times where the Lord would just move without our even expecting it. We would spend an hour in prayer and praise and worship if we were going to work because we could not do it without the Holy Spirit. We had criminals come in that were wanted. We had times where the police and the, the state police and the sheriff would sit just off the property line on the other property watching people that came in front back and front door and back door because we had criminals coming in and there were criminals on the loose and they'd come and they'd protect us. And I called them my angels. We loved them. And it was a wonderful time of community service. And one time, uh, dear sweet sister in the Lord, she came in And she looked at me and she says, I'm not here for food. Just want to let you know, I wanted to come in and just experience what I hear being talked about in the city of Pontiac. She says, I go to that big apostolic church on Walton Boulevard. I go, I know where that's at. She says, that's my church, but I'm here tonight because I heard that Jesus does miracles here. And I looked at her and i God. I say that to encourage you that when you do things, you don't always... God is not obligated to tell you everything He's doing and will do when you show up. And that is purely what faith is all about. Just by faith you do things. Well, I told her, I said, I hope... I hope you get a little bit of what you're looking for. May God bless you. There are other times when people would come in and just... People that were stoned out of their mind. You know, one guy was manifesting his (laughs) hallucinogenic tendencies at the moment. He was sitting there. While I am sharing the Word of God, I would do that with each one that came in. And then I would ask him prayer requests and you know what do you have that that i could ask god you i know you don't want to ask god i'm going to do that for you i will stand and he will answer my prayers on your in your behalf lord what lord touch them do this do this and do this and th- while i am just doing what i normally do this guy his eyes got really big and he's looking and i don't know what he was seeing but he goes wow wow There's power in here. I let him know that I wasn't going to let Satan witness for me. You know what that's called? That's called discerning of spirits. Get some because you're going to need it in the coming days. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Just because you received gifts at the very beginning or a long time ago does not mean that He will not add to it as you walk along. We go from glory to glory, strength to strength. And that's part of the going from one to the other. He adds to it such as what's needed for the next page in your life. He does that. Why? To glorify His great name. He loves doing that. He loves for you to show up in faith in a place where you think God is not going to be. Be instant, in season, and out. And I like that verse because it gives me permission that every now and then I can be out of season. <laughs> I don't deliberately do that. It just happens. It just happens. But yet God will move in that. Amen. I want to tell you a story this morning and it comes from first samuel chapter 30 reading just this one scripture portion is <laughs> what so larry said when i texted him i usually give him a long list you know of scripture portion just a long list and and i thought you know what that distracts too much because i move and i move fast and my wife tells me to slow down sometimes and that's okay i You got to see me in real life. <laughs> Other than just here. Oh, but anyways, he says, just one verse, because I want to tell a story this morning. I want to tell you a tale of two kings. Two kings. Just two. Father, I pray this morning, God, I would tell this tale clearly. And Lord, may it be concise. May it be understandable. And Lord, Holy Spirit, meet me in between. Meet me in between the sentences and the statements, the declarations and the decrees to minister to each one, Lord, in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Tale of Two Kings. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. These were David's mighty men. At this point, between 400 and 600. And they were weeping loudly until they had no more strength to weep. And then something else happened. Verse 5. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And you know the story of, of, of Abigail. She was a godly woman. She was a woman of great virtue. David was greatly distressed. Not because his wives were taken. Because his men were ready to stone him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Story goes like this. Why Ziklag? What was David doing in Ziklag? Wasn't he anointed to be king of Israel? Why is he there? If you've ever read the book, A Tale of Three Kings, have you ever read that? Excellent book. I'm not drawing from that, but if you know it, it's it's in plain sight if you want to see it. David, David was on the run. Why was David on the run? Simply because of this. You had a king with no anointing, And then you had a man with the anointing, but no crown. If you have the crown without the anointing, you're going to fail as a king of Israel. And here's David from just a wee lad, a little boy. He was anointed in front of his seven brothers in the house of Jesse. He was anointed to be king. When all the other brothers were like, really? Really? Not me, I'm the biggest, you know, dad, daddy, dad Jesse was putting up the best, you know, and, and it came right down to it and Samuel's scratching his head going, the Lord hasn't said any of these. Do you have another? Oh yeah, that's right. We have David. Where is he? He's out tending the flocks. You see, that was more important than being anointed king to daddy and everybody else, but they did not know that there was a man after God's own heart. And so David was anointed king, but Saul was king. What happened to Saul? Saul had a tormenting spirit because the spirit of the Lord that was on him to be king had been lifted off, taken away. And Samuel ripped his robe and said, like this, the kingdom of God is being ripped away from you and given to another whose heart is after God. And so along the way, you can't do that without demons coming in, okay? Demons are active. They're always looking for a way to wreck, steal, kill, destroy. And so they landed On Saul's heart and from time to time in his palace where he should be at peace in safety, he instead was given a tormenting spirit. He would call for the young boy who could play on his harp that would settle his heart. What settled his heart? He was a psalmist. David was an anointed prophet he had an anointing to be prophet, an anointing to be king and an anointing to be priest. he had all of them but he he didn't have a crown and so he was there and he was ministering in faithfulness because that's where God wanted him and in faithfulness he's doing that well you know prior to that he killed Goliath. Goliath was huge. Now remember this. That was from the Philistine army that had aligned, uh, had arrayed itself against the Israel's, Israelites army under Saul. And Saul was staring at the taunting every day being taunted. Mm-hmm. That would terrify you because he knew he didn't have the anointing anymore and he was always looking for the one that was going to take his crown. (laughs) Was it going to be Goliath? Maybe. Who knows? But all of a sudden, here comes a little boy. He kills Goliath. Has him into his palace immediately. Gives him his daughter. That didn't turn out very well. But anyways, he was there and he was ministering to Saul. And when that tormenting spirit would come on he, on Saul, he would take that spear and he'd try to pin him to the wall and kill him. That's what happens when the tormenting spirit is allowed to run free in somebody's life. I'm going to speak a little bit about that in a few moments. And so here's David. It became so bad he couldn't live there anymore. And he went on the run. The misery that David went through because he was anointed. The trouble he went through because he was anointed. While Saul was anointed too. What happened to Saul? Saul would not come under and receive and willingly come under the Holy Spirit. The tormenting spirit comes upon those who say just that by their actions and by their hearts, deeds, and thoughts. I will not come under what the Holy Spirit, I I don't want that. And they begin to despise God. And so, through all of this, David, he finds it. Safer to be on the run, sleeping in ditches, crawling in mud, briars and thorns, having to look for food, having, and all along the way, he was in a cave and men started coming to him. And they were men who were discouraged, indebted, and depressed. And all of them came to him for shelter. Because they found someone who understood how they were, how they lived, what they'd been through, understood their pain. And all of them together, and he he gathered 400 men, and those were known as his money men, but there were the three that were above all of them, and boy, could they fight. David, who was under Saul at the time, he they would sing, the maidens would sing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David slays his ten thousands. David was a warrior. That was the reason why Solomon built the temple, you know, is because David had shed too much blood, but it would be given to his son Solomon, who would be a man of peace that would build the temple according to God's designs. And so, here we have David. He's on the run. And the wicked king was after him, trailing him, on his trail. You know the stories, the story about <laughs> having Saul right, right there and could have killed him, but instead say, I could have killed you, king, you need better protection. I could have killed you, king, but you are God's anointed. So David, he's on the run. And David finds it safer to live with God's enemies than to live with God's kings. He went to the Philistine camp, the stronghold, and he goes to the king and he acts like he's a crazy man. You remember the story? You know, he's, he's, has spittle on his beard, and he's acting like he's just, yeah. Don't want to offend anybody out there who goes through that trouble, but I'm just kidding. And the king looks at him. The Philistine king looks at him. David doesn't fear for his life. Why? Because he has an anointing on his life. He receives what the Holy Spirit has for him. He receives that. And he comes under it, willingly, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, God is my rock. Whom shall I fear? God is my rock. He is my fortress. He teaches my hands to war and my fingers to battle. He had to act like a crazy man to find a safe place with God's enemies. And can you believe it? That The king looks at him and goes... You know, they were fearing for their lives bringing him into the camp. They were freaked out about it. There was no little thought and no little suspicion over the deal. The king looks at him and says, what have you brought to me? Do I need another crazy man? The first time I ever read that in my younger years, I laughed and I'm going, oh, this is good. And so, David is living with the Philistines. Fast forward a little bit, let's catch up with with context here. What is taking place for him to go to Ziklag is because the, the Philistine king gave him Ziklag of the Negev. Gave him two areas in which to live in and not come under his being anointed living in the middle of his enemies. Remember, David killed tens of thousands of them. David killed Goliath. You think any of them forgot that? No. And so here now, here now we have a tale of two kings, Saul and David. In this situation, there are two armies lining up for battle. The Philistines came to show up against Saul and his armies. And here we're going to have an epic battle take place. And it turned out to be a terrible battle. If you know this story, you know what happens. These three chapters, 27, 28, 29, 28, 29, 30, there's a lot told in there. It's an excellent story. And there are so many lessons and sermons and messages and, that can come out of it and has indeed come out of it. But we have two armies that are lined up. And David says, I will go and fight with you, my king. He wasn't talking to Saul. He's talking to the Philistine king. Now, think about that for a moment. David, what are you doing there? Are you going to go and who are you going to kill, David? Are you going to actually protect the Philistine king? David did that out of a gratitude of his heart for him giving him land. And David's just thinking later on when I'm king, I'm going to show you a thing or two. But for right now, you're doing me good. And he did good to King Achish. Achish looks at him and says, we're going to battle with your people. My men are nervous. If you stand by my side or if you fight and line up with your 600 men, my guys, my guys aren't going to stand for that. It's going to cause a split. And I don't want that. And in fact, you may come under battle from arrows and spears from two different lines. So here's what he does. He sends him back home. Home to him is in Philistine territory. Home to him is a place where he doesn't belong, but he knows it's God's will for him to be there. God was going to do something. God was going to bring judgment. And it was God's will, as I see it, to not have David mixed up in the middle of it. David had stress upon him unbelievable stress upon him. But he was raised in that. He wrote psalms in the midst of that. He gave testimonial songs psalms that still bring us strength today. But it was God's will to send him down to Ziklag. Why don't you guys just go? There's trouble there. You need to go. The trouble is when they... Left the battle lines, you know, you would think for a warrior, that's where he belonged. Where he really needed to belong was home, to take care of home first. Because in the middle of battle, when battle is forming, it can take all of your focus. It can take all of your strength when it should have been somewhere else needed over here, he goes to Ziklag and he goes and he finds this. He finds the Amalekite armies, raiding parties, had come and wiped out his home. So who are these guys? Remember, Amalekites are the ones that God hated them. Don't tell me that God does not hate people. He abhors people, excuse me. Does that sound better? Ones that are his enemies. Yes, Jesus said for us to love our enemies. That's for us-ins. But demons, they have to face the wrath of God. The wrath of God was coming upon Israel, but the wrath of God was going to come on the Amalekites, Amalekites, because David went there, and his men, and they all saw that everything had been taken. The place had been burned. The place had been sacked. They were the men of the town. And they left them in a weak place. And the enemy came in. Remember the Amalekites were the ones that Saul was supposed to wipe out? Remember that God told told Saul, go and kill all of them, even babies. You might say, oh, that's not God. Yes, it is. Why was that wholesale slaughter ordered by God? Simply because this, the kids were going to grow up. Guess who raided David's camp? Those kids that Saul should have killed. Sometimes the Lord will have us do something that we'll look at and say, oh, that's not God. God wouldn't do that. Really? Can you see the future? That's why we need trust. That's why we need faith. To take that step and do, just do what God is telling you to do. Oh, he simply would not do that. No. Really? That's called unbelief. Unbelief. And so, here we have the situation. David's men, mighty men. When you see the mighty men weeping, crying their eyes out over loved ones being taken away, they were dead for all they knew. When you see mighty men doing that, you better look out because they're going to get angry as soon as they dry their eyes. And they take all of their wrath and they focus it on David and they're saying take up stones we're getting ready right now where do you turn when you hit rock bottom where do you turn when it looks like everything man i i say things came unraveled like a cheap sweater you can't put it back together No matter how hard you try. Where do you turn when you hit rock bottom and it makes you ask, where's God? While the men were taking up stones, David said this, I'm going to make myself strong in Jesus. They were so weak from their crying, they couldn't move except to take up rocks. It was that nervous energy of rage. And listening to rage, to kill the man they loved. We're going to kill you too, is what their thoughts were. David strengthened himself, it says. David encouraged himself in the Lord. When stuff goes wrong, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're in the middle of it now, but can if not, can you remember when you went through something really tough? What did you do? So here we look, inserted into this story, two different kings that are in the same situation. Same thing, but different. As the old saying goes, what about Saul? Saul, it says, feared for his life. Why? Because he no longer has David fighting for him. He no longer has the anointing In other words, he doesn't have the favor of God. He knows that he is going to face the wrath of God for his own disobedience. He's not dumb. He knows. He knows. And so what does he do? What does he do? Simply this. He looks for a witch. As if God isn't mad at you enough. He looks for a witch to give him a word. Looks for a medium to give him a word. He looks for someone in the flesh is a Ouija board to give him a word. Someone who has astrology in their life. He looks for that. He's reading his horoscope every day trying to figure out what is going to happen. What greatly distresses me, I can't help it. God gave me the gift and the calling to watch people's lives. I love the body of Christ. But he's called me to do that. And that's just part of the... It's a little more complicated than what the pastoral calling is at this point. And it's even more complicated today. But I can say this. That distresses me. And I can look at two people in particular. Right now off the top of my head. Who have sought out mediums that confess to be Christians. What's wrong with this picture? How many Christians read horoscopes? How many Christians believe false prophets? And go to them for a word. What's my word for today? Your word for today has already been given. Receive what you have written in front of you. Read it. Absorb it. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But oh no, not Saul. For his own desires, he wanted to run the kingdom and the army his own way. He's high on the job. Whew. So when the time came, And I'm not going to go into the story about the witch of Endor and who she conjured up. It scared the both of them. Scared the witch, she shrieked and said, What are you doing to me, Saul? What a story. Was it really Saul or was it an evil spirit pretending to be Saul who could very well do that? I'm not going to get into that right now, but I will say this. The witch, in fear and trembling, knowing who she was ministering to, quote unquote, she says to him, tomorrow, you die. Tomorrow, your sons will join you. Tomorrow, Israel, all of Israel is going to be given into the hands of the Philistines. And not only that, But it is also going to be that all of Israel is delivered into the hands of the Philistines. And you know what? Every bit of that took place. I don't think that was the word that Saul was looking for. There's some things that I had to repent of and recant. There's something about recanting that brings a deliverance I read horoscopes when I was a kid. That was trendy back then. It was more than trendy. It was the devil deceiving a generation. was the song, I won't even, I won't even tell you the song, but there, there were s- several songs that, that came out in the hippie days that pushed towards astrology. Why? Because everybody knew that they could see their future in the stars. Christians along the way, quote-unquote Christians, those who thought they were saved and they confessed to me. And I believe that they have repented. But you know the door that they opened in their lives? Are exactly alike. They came down with every sort of strange illnesses, growths, pains, pains, That even doctors couldn't cure. Doctors didn't know what it was. Both of them. And each one of those stories is separated by 35 years. I thought what happened then is also happening over here today. And (sighs) the evil. And I look over our culture today and I'm wondering how many believers are getting into something like this and they don't understand what they've done and they come to me or they add to other churches their name in various prayer needs on a prayer list. And so every week we're praying for them, every week we're praying for them and they don't get better, they keep getting worse. And it's like me with, so God, what happened to this gift? I, I pray for people and they die. Some of it was that. Am I making sense yet? I hope it scares the hell out of you. And I don't mean that in slang terms. God help any of us, who should think that. I don't even speak that casually. I speak it under the anointing of God right now, that we should fear God. Fear God. Saul did not, and the next day he died in battle. Remember that word Ichabod? That's where Ichabod came from, that battle. When the Lord even had, even had the ark of the glory carried away, and all of a sudden, death and destruction and defeat came in. Because of a wicked king. And a wicked king that would not stop in his wickedness even unto visiting someone who was under God's wrath and under God's condemnation and is an abomination to the Lord. We are not to know those very things because those very things are given by God's hand alone to know what our future is. I've had things in my life happen. You've had things, did you? What would you have done if you had known about that beforehand? How would you have fought? Would you have made good decisions? Would you have followed God into that? But we did, and we came through it, even though we, by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. I wonder how Saul fought. Who would he be defending at this point when he knew we're all going to lose? Fight for your life when you know that it's by the hand of God you're going to die. He was under God's wrath and under his judgment. We are living in a day and age where we're going to see some of this stuff. I can't say when and I can't say where or even who. But I know this, that God is going to be judging wickedness because He is a holy God. He is a just God. You cannot mock God. You can't do it. Don't be deceived that whatever we sow, we shall reap. And as we believe we're in the end times, that reaping is going to be an accelerated harvest here on this earth. Why? So we come to repentance before we stand before Him with unrepentant sin in our hearts. serious serious so we have a king when he's fearing for his life runs to a witch to an abomination something that god hates what about the other king He didn't fear for his life. Simply that. Show me anywhere in Scripture where he feared for his life. He is Psalm 23 personified. He wrote that because he knew his life was in God's hands. Can we live that way? Yes, we can live that way. He wrote precious Psalms when he was in the worst place imaginable. Something a little shepherd boy couldn't dream of. <laughs> and we wonder why, you know, in a particular Psalm he's, he's just, he's like down in the dumps and then he encourages himself and all of a sudden he's up on high and the ending of that Psalm is better than the beginning. Have you read a few like that? I noticed that my first time through Psalms when I was a new believer. It's like, David. And I begin to think, you know, is now I can look at it and say, you know, Lord, he was encouraging himself in you. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? You know what David did? He turned to God. In verse 7, which we didn't read, he went... And he called for the priests. He said, bring me the priests." They were wanting to stone him, but they all know that God has his hand on this man. They all know that they would all be subject to the Philistines if he hadn't killed Goliath. And they know that that only happened because of God. And so they put down the stones and brought to him the priests. David had his own priests. Why? Because he wanted access to God. He wanted access to strength. And they called for the ephod. How many of you know what the ephod was? Come on. Look around. Not many others are raising hands. Get in your Old Testament and read. The priests had this ephod, and it was a priestly ephod, to where they would come under the presence of God and say, we need you. Give us an answer. And they had this mysterious thing, it's still all a mystery, where they would have the urim and the thummim. <laughs> Again, it's a mystery. And they would just like glow. They would ask a question, Lord, should we do this? A very, a yes or no question. And if it was a yes, and they 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 knew it was God's will, those things would glow on the ephod, the urim and the thummim would would glow. Wow! So he calls for them, and right before his mighty men, I love this. Says God, those wicked Amalekites. God didn't like him either. Should we chase after them? Will you give them in my hand? And right away, pow, he gets an answer. Yes, go after them. Get back what is yours. Mm. And that's what he did. David went and they found out that to a person... Nothing was killed, nothing was slaughtered, and nothing was only taken, stolen. So David goes in with his mighty men. He took 400 of them because 200 said were sick. Okay, so he took his 400 and he went down into the camp and they found an Egyptian that was with the Amalekite raiding party found an Egyptian who they had to give food to, give water to, to revive. And they said to him, who are you and where do you come from? What what are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere? And he says, are you going to kill me if I tell you? He was fearing for his life because he knew who he was facing. And he says to him, he says to him, I was with that raiding party. David says, do you know where they're at? Don't kill me if I tell you. And please protect me from them if you get them. David says, okay. And so they gave. he gave to David right where they were so David didn't have to go trailing them. He went right to them, whew, wiped them out, got every child, every wife, even the animals, all of them. to the glory of God to the glory of God to the other king when wrath came upon them David honored Saul and honored David even after their death he was a good king Saul, on the other hand, when all of that, when they were wiped out, the first thing that, they, the first thing the Philistines didn't know about God was that taking the ark was going to be a good thing. They really thought the ark or the covenant was going to be a good thing. It wasn't. Do you remember that story? Yeah, especially when Dagon fell down on his face and broke into pieces and all that. How many of you remember the hemorrhoids? <laughs> I love that story. So just to give you a little piece of this before we close here, here here's the situation is that they gave certain offerings <laughs> along with a, an oxen carrying, carrying the ark back. They're like, we don't want this anymore. Well, you know what? If, you know, Dagon a couple of times fell down in their, in their temple of gods, one of them, Dagon, half man, half fish, fell down and, you know, his arms fell off, you know, while well, they put him together, propped him back up, happened again. And you think that that would be, you know, one of the greater signs and wonders, but it wasn't. When the Lord brings pain, He can do it in a very unique manner. He hit a whole bunch of them with hemorrhoids. And they made little gold. Go ahead, this isn't a bad thing to talk about. This is God. They took... They took and they made little hemorrhoids, I guess, whatever, and put them in a jar and sent those along the way too and say, here, just just a little gold offering to let you know how your God treated us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lord could have wiped them all out, but his wrath wasn't on them. His wrath was on a people that walked away from him. His wrath was on those who did wicked things when his own people coming out of Egypt were waylaid along the way, being hit from behind, and the weak ones were being killed. Amalek. Saul was ordered to kill all of them, but he didn't. Samuel stood before him and he goes, what's this bleeding of sheep I hear in my ear? Saul failed. God had the Amalekites wiped out. Finished the job. David finished the job. Philistines, they kind of hung around for a while. God wasn't pleased with them, but the Lord could use them for his own glory and he did how else could he boast through his own people dagon just a chunk of rock that he could do things to point out his glory who he is why does he so enjoy us when we give him glory and we love him with all our hearts But the real test comes when we go out the door and we're not in church. Seek Him and He may be found. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Would you bow your heads? Lord, Lord, You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I've spoke of things today to bring clarity for the times in which we live. And Lord, I spoke of things today to help us encourage ourselves in very difficult times. I pray that everyone in here this morning right now is asking you this week to glorify your great name in our midst. Lord, when we go from here, we go into places where you will send us in amidst darkness. And may we recognize that if God before us, who can be against us? that's what David was praying. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, for each of us, may your hand be upon us, upon each one that's here today. keep them oh God I pray that today there has been a renewing and a reviving in their soul, in their spirit Lord that will last and Lord carry them along on the wind of your spirit Lord this week you Jesus. God speak to each one. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.